0: Here to connect our counselees as we listen compassionately to their story to the appropriate truth from the Word of God and kind of keep ourselves out of the way as much as we possibly can. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church, and what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we have the privilege of talking to a dear friend of mine, Dr. Rob Green. Rob has served on the staff here at Faith for 17 years, and he, along with Dr. Brent Oakwin, we really formed the three guys that have worked here the longest on our pastoral staff. And, you know, when I went into the pastoral ministry, I wasn't really thinking about the privilege there would be of having longtime friendships and co-laborers, and it's been just such a delightful privilege for me. I say that about our pastoral staff, I say that about our deacons. That's just an evidence of God's grace for sure. Rob wears a lot of hats around here, as does a lot of people who work at Faith, and so core ministry is just serving in our local church, and many, many people love Pastor Green and his ministry. He teaches ABFs, Adult Bible Fellowships, for young couples and now those who have gotten to be middle-aged couples, but who would look to Rob and his wife, Stephanie, for their pastoral leadership, and just ministry and everything that would fall under that heading. Then Rob was willing, along with Brent Oakwin, to be part of starting our seminary. And so when our church decided to do that, we needed two people who would go get PhDs, Brent in Old Testament and Rob in New Testament. That was a significant sacrifice for them and their families, and they were willing to heed that call. And now to see what God has done through the ministry of the seminary, humanly speaking, it's because of Brent and Rob. Very, very thankful for them. Rob's led our counseling ministry for many, many years and now holds a Ongoing important leadership role for our faith biblical counseling ministry. So it's amazing. You might think, wow, that'll be three or four people's different jobs. And you're right. And I'm just thankful for the, the way people work and work so hard. The reason we're talking to Rob today is because he and his family recently had the privilege of traveling to the country of Ukraine, along with Moldova and Romania. I believe that God taught him lessons that are very, very important for me to hear, for our listeners to hear about what are the opportunities for biblical counseling, biblical ministry in that important area of the world. So Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today.
1: It's great, thanks for having me.
0: You know, we were talking a little bit before we got started here about, we were in the process of planning a trip to Ukraine when COVID struck. So can you say just a bit about the kind of relationships that we have in that part of the world and what we were planning to do prior to the pandemic? Four pastors from Erpine Bible Church,
1: which is just outside of Kiev, had been coming to the BCTC for several years, And they decided that they wanted to have us come and do a conference in Ukraine. And so I'm actually holding the teaching schedule (laughs) that you and I were scheduled to do April 23rd through April 25th of 2020. Isn't that amazing? It is. We had tickets, and then the pandemic struck in March. Hmm. And uh, so that canceled that trip. The men still chose to stay in contact with us. And Hmm. even uh, when 2022 BCTC came along, they were here. And I had the privilege of wow. going to Texas Roadhouse with those same four guys, ones named Sergey, then Dennis, Vasily, and a guy named Nick, who's the lead pastor at Irpine Bible Church. Just a delightful group. And who was to know that within days of that meeting, the war would begin? So we were really excited about that trip and had to be postponed. And now we see they've endured a lot of suffering since that time.
0: Well, you and your family had the opportunity to travel there recently. Can you tell our listeners just the kind of things that you were able to do, lessons that you learned? Just help us know how we can pray more effectively, how we can strategize more effectively. So, so what did God teach you and your family? Well, you know, one of the things I really in, have enjoyed thinking
1: about over the years, ever since hearing the lecture, Why Counsel, is why would we do biblical counseling ministry at all? And it really came down, for me, as I've thought about it over the years, to three things. Evangelism, discipleship, and community good. Mm. And so what are some of the things that are needed now in Romania, Moldova, Ukraine? Of course, there's still a lot of Ukrainians who have fled the nation. Others have stayed, but have gone to other parts of Ukraine to try to get away from the fighting. And uh, here's some of the things we observed. There was one pastor's wife and... Her two children who were staying in Bucharest. And her husband had remained in Kiev or near it because he wasn't allowed to leave. And she expressed thanks for the war. Huh. She said, you know, my daughter has recently come to Christ. Wow. And it was as a result of the danger and the real threat to life huh. that made her decide that it was no longer time to just be around biblical Christianity, it wasn't Hmm. just time to learn something about the Bible, but to know Christ in a saving way. Hmm. And uh, I can appreciate that. Just a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of baptizing my own daughter, who gave testimony that while she made a profession of faith when she was younger, uh, she doesn't believe she was converted until the threat of COVID had really struck her, and she realized that maybe she didn't have a saving relationship with Christ, and she repented and trusted Him as her Lord and Savior. And so evangelism is
0: huge. it's The needs are everywhere. What a great opportunity to just be reminded of the truth that oftentimes trials can be used by God for good to draw men and women to Himself. And you just told the story of two pastors' daughters, two different tragedies trials but were drawn to christ as a result of that then discipleship you know biblical
1: counseling over the years was known for addressing sin but we've also been concerned about the needs of people in their hardships and that was very clear in romania moldova and ukraine in fact one story i'll just tell of three sisters Uh, I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently there is a green card lottery, or there was, and uh, their brother won it. And so he got a ticket to the U.S. and was essentially handed a green card the day he got off the plane and has lived in the States ever since. And these three sisters were coming to the U.S. They had all of the paperwork settled. They were going to come, but their flight was like February 26th. Wow two days after the war began. Hmm. So their flights, of course, were canceled. So they have fled to Romania and got in connection with our missionaries, Bill and Natty Tully there, and have been in limbo ever since. Hmm. And so their desire was to come to the States, and yet God has seen fit to allow this additional waiting period and suffering to use that to try to grow them and mature them. There's other situations, like those actually in Ukraine, uh, one had fled. He lives in a city called Kharkiv, and they have experienced incredible fighting. He had two little kids, one three and one six months. And so he was faced with the option, do I stay and work in where I am, or do I flee and potentially keep my wife and children alive? Hmm just impossible choices. Oh, for sure. And it was a good reminder that, you know, biblical counseling speaks to suffering, Hmm. and we have to use the Word not only to address people's sin, but also to address their hardships and the fact that they can trust the Lord. Uh, While I was serving in Moldova, Natty Tully's father has been a leader in the southern Mm -hmm. part of Moldova. You've been to some of those churches Mm -hmm. too, and uh, they have a passion for Christ. They have a true, genuine passion for Christ. And I remember, as I was going, the most intimidating thing was, what am I going to say to these pastors yeah. who suffer every day? Right. These guys are planting one- to two-acre gardens, because that's their food for the year. Yep. When you eat a chicken in Moldova, it was probably alive the day before. Mm. You know, it, it's not one of those that you picked yep. up <laughs> frozen. Mm. Uh, this was fresh. And so it recognizes the hardship that they experience, and yet they're pastoring with joy. They're watching young people leave because there are opportunities in other parts of Europe. So I was thinking, what could I possibly say? And I was reminded that Philippians chapter 1 tells us that joy comes from gospel partnership, and that's exactly what they're doing. Hmm. And so I had the privilege of communicating that you're not alone. We rejoice in the ministry with you, And we want to encourage you to stay faithful to the gospel. And whenever we do, there's joy in that. And uh, so it was a great time of encouraging them, a great time of being encouraged as I watched them serve with joy, sacrificially, even in the hardships of losing people that they train. You know, all of us, when we train somebody, we run the risk that God will move them somewhere else. But boy, it's hard when you see that over and over and over again
0: yeah you know i've been in that situation of being asked to speak to a group of people and feeling like i'm the last guy in the room whose mouth ought to be going but i've reconciled that in my heart by saying well but you're directing them to the word of god so your role here is just to be a channel to the truth of the word of god that's what they're here Mm -hmm. to listen to Our direction is being focused on heaven. And that's what even gives me the level of confidence necessarily to stand up and do what I've been asked to do. The exact same thing is true in the counseling room. How many times do we feel like, wow, this person has suffered so significantly. I have nothing in my background that would qualify me experientially to speak to this, yet that's not really the point in counseling. We're here to connect our counselees, as we listen compassionately to their story, to the appropriate truth from the Word of God and kind of keep ourselves out of the way as much as we possibly can. And that's what brings the level of confidence to any ministry situation that we have. One
1: other, this is sort of tertiary to biblical counseling, but we hear about the ministry of presence. Mm -hmm. That also happened because some of the people didn't speak English, so I wasn't able to yeah. communicate with them directly. But there was something about being with them, not just hearing about their story, but being with them while they told their story. And so one family had fled, they experienced incredible hardship. In fact, their son had been shot at and just missed. And his, wife, his mother, this man's wife, was telling the story of what had happened. And it was being translated for us, but I could see out of the corner of my eye that her husband, so this would be the, the patriarch of the family, mm-hmm. was just starting to quiver. I could see his hands start yep. to shake, and I glanced over at him, and the longer she talked, the more he began to lose it, and he just started weeping. And of course, I didn't have anything to say to him. But it was the first time that I really felt there was a ministry of presence. I walked yeah. over to him, and I just hugged him. And he grabbed me much harder than I was expecting him. And mm. I was almost thinking, you know, he's going to kind of shuck me off a little yeah. bit. It was the exact opposite. He just grabbed my hand, and he held it uh, tightly. And it was just a ministry of presence to him that mm. somebody else cared to hear his story and cared to know that this was happening. The son, who was the one who was shot at, actually gave us uh, pieces of bomb fragments Hmm. that had occurred had blown up near their home, which he had kept as souvenirs. Wow! And uh, we said, "Hey, those are yours." He said, "Oh, I got plenty more."
0: (laughs) You know, that's a that's a powerful reminder the importance of presence. And we had a couple of members of our electronic communications team on the trip with you, so they took a lot of pictures, shot a lot of video, and in The Sovereignty of God, one of our guys took a picture of the story you just told, and you were able to talk to our pastors and deacons last night about that and show some of those pictures, including that one. That was a really powerful, powerful story. I think that happens in counseling, too. And I remember back when I was doing my doctoral work a long, long time ago at Westminster, and I had to have 800 supervised hours of counseling as part of my doctoral work. And my uh, supervisor was a pretty tough guy, which is exactly what I needed. And I remember he said once to me, you're uncomfortable with silence in the counseling room. And his point was, you would rather make a B-minus or a C-minus statement to keep the conversation going, as opposed to just pausing, which would acknowledge to everybody in the room, you're not exactly sure what to say. You don't have all of the answers, but at least you're willing to be there and try to find it out as you go together to the throne of grace. And, and he was exactly right about that. which is a point of pride in my heart and life, that I would rather fill the silence with anything as opposed to somebody thinking, well, maybe he doesn't know exactly what to say or what to do in this moment. And so I've tried to learn the important place of pausing in the counseling room, acknowledging that I don't know, acknowledging we just need to pray and ask for God's help. But I do believe that a counselee is impacted by the fact that you're willing to be in the same room and you're willing to at least try together. It's also funny when you talk about when you're in different cultures and it's just so frustrating when you can't communicate directly, just as somebody from the Church casually or just in any kind of a conversation. You can communicate a lot by your eyes. You can communicate a lot with your smile. You can communicate a lot with your hands. I've had some dear people who were convinced if they shouted their language louder, that somehow that would overcome the language barrier. So, you know, here I am in a room, I'm shouting English, they're shouting Spanish or Portuguese or whatever, and, and then you just it dawns on you, you know, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and then it makes you long for heaven, and it makes you long for the day when all of that suffering is behind us. And we're able to communicate directly and freely, and we're able to be with our Savior who died on the cross to make all of that suffering manageable in this life and disappear in the next. So as you think about ways that we can be praying, I'm thinking especially of Christians in the United States or from other countries who are not part of the war but might pick up this podcast. How can we be praying for our brothers and sisters in that part of the world? First of all,
1: is to pray that the war would end, and that they would have the freedom to rebuild what has been destroyed. But until that day comes, that they would use the suffering, the hardship, in order to present the gospel. On the other end of the spectrum, from that pastor's daughter, somebody was witnessing to a Ukrainian who had fled the nation. And they responded with, we were the ones who were attacked. In other words, it was almost as if there was no sin in their life at all, and so therefore they don't need to get right with God. Hmm. And I think we would all would say, boy, we wish they didn't have to suffer this, but if suffering is going to come, let God use that to mold and shape our hearts to help us see our need for Him. So I think that would be the most important prayer. The second prayer request is for the opportunities for the future. You know, I hope that we can go back and do this conference right here. Absolutely. We got it all ready to go, right? I mean, the notes are ready. (laughs) All we have to do is get on a plane and get there. And uh, so God willing, we'll be able to do that. In Romania, I had the privilege of teaching a seminary class. They canceled classes. I didn't know this till the day before, but they canceled classes so that they could give me a two-hour slot to talk about whatever I wanted. Wow. And so I decided to talk about biblical counseling. Hmm. And... When I did, the president of the seminary actually stayed for the entire lecture. I had no idea he was going to do that. And then afterwards, we met, and he said, you know, we need more of this in our seminary, and we need more of this in our churches, because they're faced with how do we care for the refugees? They're faced with how do they care for their own people? Mm -hmm. They're faced with their own trials and difficulties and hardships and suffering. And so they're looking for ways to make an inroad, to do something about that. So, I think that's a second thing. A third thing is wisdom for people as they have the opportunities. The needs are everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There isn't a way to just cut all that need off. There's a great need. And everyone has to decide in their own heart how they can be a part of meeting that need, whether it's a financial gift, whether it's going and serving with some missionaries like we did. We had the privilege of being with Bill and Natty Tully, they've been missionaries as part of our church for 20 years. And uh, they've been doing some great work, not only in Romania, but also with the Ukrainian refugees. And then I also think for many of them, the families are faced with some incredible hardships. What do I decide to do? Do I go back to Ukraine or do I stay where I am? One sign was really powerful to me. We were in Moldova at the time and it was a bank and it gave exchange rates on this corner. And you could see if you had a euro, what it was worth in Moldovan lay, and if you had a Romanian lay, what it was worth, and if you had a U.S. dollar, what it was worth. But there was also a Ukrainian. I don't know what the unit of money is, but it was all zeros. Wow. And that was a really powerful reminder. Hmm. Because it said, in essence, your money is worthless. Hmm. We don't know that your government is going to survive. And so maybe your money is just a piece of paper. Hmm. And that told the story of the plight of many Ukrainians. Do they stay knowing that they really can't use their money, relying on other people? Or do they go back to Ukraine, where at least their money has value, and risk the war? Hmm. Really hard decisions and i I think about that guy often with his two little kids Hmm. his young wife and he's trying to decide do i go back or do i not and the very city was attacked yesterday or the day before and uh, the subway station was destroyed well what if he had been on that train when that missile or bomb would ever hit it he's thinking about the questions like that every day and trying to decide what to do. And so for many of them, just having wisdom to know what's the best choice right now.
0: You just have to think about all the opportunities that there are going to be for churches, followers of Christ, in the U.S. and around the world once the war is over. That's going to require the wisdom of Solomon, isn't it? It Is Is it best to do teaching-type trips? Is it best to do work trips? Is it best just to send money? but I'm sure the gospel opportunities are going to be everywhere. Hey, would you lead us in prayer? And just ask God to help us as we think these things through. Lord, I thank you
1: for the time that we could communicate about what you are allowing and what you're doing in Romania, Moldova, Ukraine. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering. We pray that you would help them have wisdom as they decide what to do on a daily basis. How do they care for their families? How do they steward their lives? And we ask that you would help them to answer that question. Lord, we pray that the war would end. If it would be your will, we pray that it would end quickly. Until the time that it does, we pray that you would use the constant threat of danger, the constant threat of losing life as a reminder that life is short and that we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And would you help those who do not yet have a saving relationship with Jesus to no longer put it off, to no longer justify not having it, but to see their need for a Savior. Lord, we pray for the missionaries who are serving at the ground forces, even many uh, missionaries who were serving in Ukraine, who have had to flee and are now faced with ministry decisions. Do they start something in Ukrainian or Russian where they are? Do they return to the States? Do they try to go back into Ukraine and serve anyway? Difficult decisions for uh, our missionaries. And so we ask that you would give them wisdom as they think all of that through. Lord, we pray for the future and the opportunities to come. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we decide what we can do now and maybe what opportunities could come in the future. So we thank you for our time. We thank you that Christ came, lived perfectly, died, was buried, rose again, has ascended, and is now returning. And so we look forward to the day when you will make all things right. And until then, we pray you'd help us to serve you with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. In Christ's name, amen.
0: Hey, Rob, on behalf of our church family, thank you and your family for your willingness to go. That was a big sacrifice to take a trip like that and to kind of be our eyes and ears and now to be able to come back at all sorts of forums and make these reports and educate us on how we can best serve the Lord regarding our friends in Eastern Europe. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, and you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Now, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.